Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And for the first time, we're very happy to welcome Ricky Nurse to join us at the Green Beige Desk. Ricky, how are you doing, my friend? Yes, guys. Greetings from warm Barbados. We are <laughs> on board. Well played, huh? Glad to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. Of course. Of course. We, Glad to have him. Exactly. I, I must note before we start that my green has nothing to do with Ricky's representation <laughs> of green. My green is for the green beige. Ricky is representing a different kind of green, but we will get into that later on. That's of right. Course. right. Of course. And of course, when you see that there is some green behind me as well. But that has nothing to do with the green that Ricky is wearing. <laughs> so, yes, let's get into it this week, fellas. Mm-hmm. Now, we had 14 games that played this week, and five of them were decided by one score. We had a few others that were closer than the final score indicated. Now, there were plenty of close calls. That's what this episode is called this week. Close calls this week. One that wasn't close, though. Sorry, Ricky. Um, was the Jets. Um, <laughs> with the residents Jets fan, I mean, the only Jets fan I know, to be honest, on the show, Ricky, first we have to address you and the Jets. How did you become a fan of the New York Jets? Yes, I, I, I get this often in this part of the world. So what <laughs> happened is when I, when I attended, I did my undergrad degree at Cornell University, upstate New York. And the, when I went to Cornell, it was very, very tribal. You were either a New York Giants fan, which most of the most of the students who came up from, you know, from New York City were New York Giants fans. Mm-hmm. Or if you were from upstate, you were a Buffalo Bills fan. As, as fate would have it, that season, um, the Bills and the Giants played in the Super Bowl. So the mm-hmm. campus was entirely split between the Bills fans and the Giants fans. Mm-hmm. And because they had no literally landed on campus, I said, wait a minute, there's another New York team nobody talks about, which is the, the Jets. And believe it or not, I just ended up rooting for the underdog Jets, listening at that time, you're just listening to the radio because we don't we didn't have the the internet connectivity that we have now and the access right. we had now. And that's it basically just out of that that desire to root for an underdog that was not tied to the Giants tribe. Or mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills trade. And I mean, that was the time when the Bills went to four consecutive Super Bowls. So, you know, it was easy to become sick of them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that was that was basically it. That was basically Hawaii, okay. Hawaii coming a Jets man. Yeah, I've never heard I haven't heard that story yet. Good stuff, though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we all become fans of teams for various reasons, for different mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. I mean, if that is what brought you to the Jets, I'm sure they're happy to have you because their play dictates that they need to hold on to every fan they have. They need all the support they can get, correct. All right, gents. So, no, as we have given Ricky an opportunity to um, claim his fandom, no, we are on to the Blitz. Now, as always, the Blitz is where we look and see who had the biggest win, loss, who we consider to be a moral victor, and who had the least inspiring win in the just past football week. And Ricky, as you are our guest, we always like to give the guests first go on the topic of the biggest winner. So Ricky, who is your biggest winner for this week? Believe it or not, I had my notes done up for this. I said, okay, this is the team I'm going with. And then I watched that game last night and I had to make a change because the reality of it, 
to me, that the biggest winner is the New England Patriots. Um, there's no question. If you go to Orchard Park, you play the Buffalo Bills, a team that had hyped themselves up to be the team that's going to be ascending and take the, the throne in terms of the AFC East. Mm-hmm. You go into to Orchard Park and you literally, not only did you beat them, but you beat them in one of the most disrespectful manner. <laughs> you ran that ball and ran that ball, ran that ball, right? And why I think they're the biggest winner is that all of a sudden now New England goes into their bye week with a nine and four record. Um, you also end up as a as a double win for them because they end up with Buffalo now taking picking up an additional loss. And Buffalo has a very challenging game this week against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Buffalo can find themselves reeling coming out of that game. Mm -hmm. And on national television, on Monday Night Football, you essentially got embarrassed by the great Bill Belichick. So for me, that was the biggest winner um, because a two-game cushion, and depending on what happens this week, um, New England could have eliminated Buffalo from even dreaming of winning the division mm. and putting some pressure on them in terms of just their relevance in the AFC. So for me, that the, the New England Patriots were the biggest winner for sure. Well, I, I really can't argue against the points that you've made because it, this, it sparked a lot of discussion what happened in that game last night, but um, maybe we'll get back to it at some point. AJ? No what about you, biggest winner? So, <laughs> to kind of start off the same way Ricky said, right? I began preparing my notes. And then after watching the game last night, I wanted to put my team. And that would be the easiest answer for me to put, right? Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to be doing this show with two NFL smart gentlemen. One of them is going to pick the Patriots. So, I don't want to be repetitive. So, I, I stuck with the initial answer that I had. No, while I think Ricky's answer is the correct answer, <laughs> just, to have a little, just to have a little diversity, my biggest winners were actually the Washington football team. And this is because, Kenny, remember last week when we had Justin on um, and we were going through who we think had come out of the NFC, and both of you guys said that you didn't, you didn't necessarily trust like a seventh team. Like it, it was like six and then the rest of the pack, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I made note that to me, I feel like Washington can be that seventh team. And I think that the win yesterday is kind of indicative of what I was trying to say last week. Like, they could be that team. Like, do I trust them to go all the way now? But just in terms of actually coming out of their division and, and being able to, to take a postseason spot, I think, listen, I trust Heineken. I, try, I like the guy. I think he's playing smart quarterback um, play, and, and he's not turning the ball over. He's making the team and the offense tick. And obviously, they, they still have some, some top weapons in, in McLaurin and Gibson, you know. But mm-hmm. the, the, I, I think that generally the team is solid. And the, the win, it, it, just, it, it just shows like what they can do to beat that Raiders team who, I mean, yes, the Raiders have been up and down. But still, to win on the road in, in Vegas, that's a big win for me. So they're my biggest winners. Yeah. And you know, the thing about Heineke is that he now has an extended audition for this job going forward because we just heard over the last 24 to 48 hours that the quarterback that they brought in, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
who they intended to be the starting quarterback for the season. He has now had surgery on that hip that was injured in week one. Mm. It is Heineke's ship to steer for the rest of the season. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see how that goes because mm-hmm. like you, I do like Heineke. I believe that Heineke is a good enough quarterback that a team can use him. Mm-hmm. They're not... Okay. 32, they're not 31 better starting quarterbacks in the league right now than Taylor Heineke. But he is not my pick for the biggest winner this week. And AJ, this should not necessarily surprise you because I have been making mention of this team more often than we probably should be. Mm-hmm. And that's the Detroit Lions. The <laughs> Detroit Lions are winless no more. As we have a post up on Instagram, for those who follow our Instagram feed, the Lions won a game for the first time in 364 (laughs) days. It was almost a full calendar year since their last one. And not just that they won, they also came from behind Mm -hmm. to beat the Vikings. And this is a Vikings team that most believe are better than the record have shown because they've lost a number of close games. However, they needed to win this game to stay in playoff contention. And Jared Goff goes the length of the field in under two minutes and scores a game-winning touchdown. Yes, they are 1-10-1. Richard binary numbers but to finally <laughs> win but to finally win one has to feel good for Dan Campbell and his pack of lovable losers hats off to the Lions for finally winning a game alright so now that we've covered the winners then of course you know there is a team on the other side so Ricky Losers, who's the biggest loser for you this week? That's the perfect segue, Ken, because my biggest loser is those Minnesota Vikings. They are easily one of the most consistently inconsistent teams in the NFL. When we look at the talent, when we listen to some of the so-called experts and they describe um, Mike Zimmer, one would believe that this guy is supposed to be one of the better coaches in the NFL. But for whatever reason, particularly last three seasons, Minnesota Vikings have flattered to deceive. Um, Kirk Cousins really needs to be applauded for being able to get the kind of contracts he's able to get out of these teams without any real postseason hardware to show for it. And they have talent. Um, Jefferson, talent. Thielen, talent. Dalvin Cook. Like, when you look at this team, on the defensive side too, supposedly Zimmer is supposed to be a defensive guru. Mm-hmm. And his defenses have not been anywhere close to the top of the NFL in the last three seasons. So there's a serious disconnect. I always remember hearing Deion Sanders speak highly of Mike Zimmer, speak highly of him as a defensive coach. Mm -hmm. And when I look at these last three seasons for the Vikings, I'm not seeing what people are saying. I don't don't doubt that they play the game. Mm -hmm. But there's something going on that's wrong with Minnesota. And I, I was actually not surprised. I felt it was only a matter of time before the Lions jumped someone. And the way the Vikings were winning some of their games, at one point, as you rightfully said, Ken, when I start, started to see the Lions coming back, I said, you know what? Today may be the day. So to me, they're the biggest losers also, gentlemen, because they have a game on Thursday. So after losing to the Lions, 
and you have and all that is involved in that. You have a short week. Mm -hmm. So guess what? Play the Pittsburgh Steelers, who just stole a game from the Baltimore Ravens. So if Minnesota is not careful, all of a sudden they could find themselves now losing on Thursday and being on the outside looking in as far as the NFC playoff contention. Um, on top of that, they lost Dalvin Cook, as we know, um, mm -hmm. as Justin said on the last show. They should get accustomed to losing Dalvin Cook, you know, because it feels like Dalvin Cook is always out for a few games. And <laughs> yeah. And on that's the defense, sadly, they lost Emerson Griffin. We know all that is in, involved in that situation. Yeah. yeah. It just mm. feels like, and they lost Adam Thielen because he had a high ankle injury in the last mm. game. So he may not be available on Thursday. So it just feels like, for whatever reason, um, the Vikings are in that position. And Ken and I were discussing this before we came on. Mm -hmm. They're in a position in, in the NFL where you're middle of the pack. So you're neither high in the draft for a good draft pick, but mm -hmm. nor are you in real serious playoff contention. And to me, that's one of the worst places to be in the NFL. Definitely. Because you don't know if you're trying to contend or if you don't know if you should blow it up. Yeah. And start over. Yeah. So for me, they were mm -hmm. my biggest losers um, for, for multiple reasons as they were. Okay. Well said. I will have more to say on Zimmer later on. <laughs> so, AJ, your turn. Who is your biggest loser for this week? Honestly, guys, I feel like there were so many big losers this week, right? It is true. Um, I, I want to go with this one, though, because I still don't understand the decision-making. And that's the Ravens. I, I genuinely don't understand. Like, I've, I've seen people, some... In, in some forums, some fans try to make excuses, but I don't understand why the Ravens were going for two on within the dying seconds when Justin Tucker is your kicker. And you could have leveled... Now, I understand I understand that the, 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 the Ravens' defense was on the back foot in the fourth quarter, right? Steelers put up 17 in that quarter. I get it. But still, you're on the road. I don't think it was a wise decision at that point. I mean... Division games are always close and gritty like this. We know that, right? Mm -hmm. But I just don't... I just don't... You have Justin Tucker, though. You have <laughs> Justin Tucker. I don't, I don't know. If, if, it was, if it was some other, like, um, the, the double doink guy that used to be in Chicago... Cody was Parkey. He? Cody Parkey. There we go. If it was somebody like that, I understand. But you have Justin Tucker. You could have leveled the game and gone to overtime, though. I, I just feel like that's a game that they should not have, have given up. I feel like they gave up they gave up a win or, or what could, let me not, they wouldn't have won the game with that kick. Mm -hmm. But essentially, I feel like they gave up, uh, he said, what was the best decision for went back to, to I, I don't get it. I, I think that, that and this loss could come back to haunt them in, in, in terms of, because um, I mean, the, the race for the AFC generally was heating up and their division is already so tight. I just feel like that was too risky to do at that point when you have the kind of personnel who could have tied the game and then, Maybe, you know, like going into overtime, you get the chance to settle a little bit and you pick up momentum and stop the other team's momentum. But I just don't understand what Harvard did there. So for me, that loss was, uh, it, it, it was it's indescribable, to be quite honest. So they're my biggest losers for this week. Yeah supposedly, week. yeah, supposedly Coach Harbaugh said that when he lost Marlon Humphrey, Humphrey. Mm -hmm. he didn't want to go into overtime um, trying to contain Justin Jefferson without Marlon Humphrey. That's what he said. Um, and that he said that that influences decision-making, the loss of Humphrey. 
I don't know because the challenge in saying that is that's an indictment on your defense going forward. Because how is your defense supposed to feel? I mean, you're not getting Humphrey back for the season. So are you telling me then that you don't have that confidence in the defense? I was surprised that he I was surprised that he said that. It may be brutal honesty. I was but, I was just about to say like even <laughs> if you think that that's not something to be saying to the media. Agreed. Total agreement, AJ. Total agreement. Come on, come on, Harbaugh. The funny thing is, Harbaugh, when he said what he said, he did not say necessarily it was because of Humphrey being out. It was, he said, that he had no more corners. He was basically out of corners. Mm, right. So to get the extra point, then you're really hoping on the coin toss to get possession and then get down the field. And the Ravens offense has not shown that there were going to be able to consistently and efficiently move the ball down the field. Now, coincidentally, AJ, you and I agree on the biggest loser because they had the Ravens pick. But I didn't just boil it down to that particular play, that last play. Because if uh, Lamar Jackson was able to hit Mark Andrews on the pass and put the Mm -hmm. ball where he could catch it, we are having a completely different conversation. Mm -hmm. Lamar continues to miss throws that he has to make. And that is what is killing the Ravens. Now, teams are also keeping a spy on him. And they're trying their best to keep him in the pocket. So, yeah, they're not allowing him to break contain. So, Mm -hmm. offensively, they're limiting what he can do. They're not allowing him to be the game breaker every time and just give him opportunities that he can just, you know, squirt up through the middle and keep and just run away from everybody because everyone's back his turn. They're forcing him to play from the pocket and he has shown that he can play from the pocket, but he's still missing throws that he has to make. And when he's doing that, it is then going to cause them problems down the road. Now, as you may have mentioned of AJ, their division is tightening up. They have the lead in the North, but the Bengals keep finding ways to win games, and now mm-hmm. they are right back into contention for the title yeah. of the North. So they have to do better. And know that Marna Humphrey is gone for the rest of the season. That's a huge loss for their defense that has continued to lose players all the time. Right now, they are 11th in points allowed and 13th in yards. But they're not as good as these numbers would suggest. They're 29th in interceptions and 26th in fumble recoveries. Right now, they have a lot of problems to fix in Baltimore, and they don't have a lot of time to fix them. Agreed. All right. So now we move over to the team that we ascribe a moral victory to. And of course, as Justin reminded us last week, there are no moral victories in the NFL. (laughs) However, sometimes there are teams that can find some sort of comfort either in a win or a loss. So AJ will give you first crack at this one. Who is the moral victor for you this week? Uh, <laughs> uh, just to poke a little fun. I mean, I can, we could say the Bills. They still have a wild card spot. That's basically it. That's really all I have. That's literally what I have in my notes. The Bills, they still have a wild card spot. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well done, well done. All right, Ricky. What about you? Who's your moral for me, victor for this? One? I'm I'm going with Dan Caps Campbell and the Detroit Lions for the simple reason <laughs> that you had no DeAndre Swift, 
you essentially had this ongoing record of Jared Goff being basically winless without Sean McVay as his head coach. Mm -hmm. You had the consistent narrative uh, coming out of Thanksgiving of why are the Lions even on TV for Thanksgiving, which you guys explained so eloquently in the last show. So you essentially <laughs> had a situation where people were almost tired of the Lions because we didn't want to see them for Thanksgiving. Um, I always um, equate Dan Campbell to kind of like a coach on steroids, you know, like very intense, very rah-rah, and to the point yeah. where like, is this is this going to work with modern players? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had a few close games, so you kind of they kind of became like the lovable Lions kind of thing. But it was good to see that they could find a way to finally close a game and pull one out. Um, do I think they pull out another one this season? Probably not. But it was a moral victory in the sense that if Campbell is to be taken seriously and his act is not to wear thin, because it's hard when you have that kind of intensity to have longevity, um, it's important for this team to start to see, you know, some tangible victories over the course of the season. So I think I think that was my moral victory uh, because I was beginning to think that the Lions were not going to find a way to win one this season. Yeah, I I too was beginning to feel that way um, because, as you said, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for you as a coach if you are so intense and crying in press conferences and stuff like that, and you you continue to lose games sooner or later. Your team is going to turn on you, but yes. so far the team has rallied behind Dan Campbell because they know that their coach is going to give everything for them and they're giving everything for him as well. So for his sake and for the sake of the NFL, because I think the NFL is better when we have a coach like Dan Campbell around, mm -hmm. we, we need him to win some more games. Agreed. Now, my moral victory for this week was the, actually the Arizona Cardinals mm. who beat the Chicago Bears. And here's why. The Cardinals are a dumb team. The Cardinals are not expected to play well, play well in bad no, weather but, right. and to play well when it's cold outside. And they went to Chicago in horrendous weather. It probably would have been the worst weather for the weekend if we didn't have a winter monsoon in mm -hmm. Orchard Park. Right. But they were able to get back both their top wide receiver mm -hmm. in New Hopkins. They got back their quarterback and they kept on winning. They were able to do it in such a way that it looked almost like if there was no rust with these players mm -hmm. having been out and no comeback and they're still on track to be the number one seed in the NFC. We know that their margin for error is very slim in the NFC because Tampa Bay is right behind them as well as Green Bay, Green Bay. right behind them in terms of the division leaders and these two teams especially are expected to win their division. So they are going to be there or thereabouts looking for that number one seed. But when you look at the rest of their division, everybody keeps tripping up over each other. And no, it's not for them. It should not be just about securing the rest. It's making sure that they're home through the playoffs and resting on World Card Weekend. Mm -hmm. So uh, let, me, let me just add as well, because... Um, let me just add another another option because, like I just said, the, the first one in jest. But on a more serious note, though, um, I, I one one something else I did want to mention. Another team is actually the Chargers for me, right? And now quickly, the reason I say so is because the, we know that 
the Chargers started the season and, and they were impressing everyone, but then it seemed like they went on a little slide and they just were not performing as well. Even Justin Herbert wasn't looking as good as he had in the initial parts of the season, right? Mm-hmm. And yesterday's, yes, not, sorry, not yesterday. Sunday. Su- Sunday. Mm-hmm. Seemed like, the way that game was going, it seemed like they were going to surrender that lead. It seemed like after building up that, that initially, that halftime, that, that they were going to allow the Bengals back into that game. And I honestly thought so myself, right? And then it essentially pulled out the victory the way they did because they ended up outscoring the Bengals 17 to nothing in the fourth. It, it, I, I just, it, it felt almost like, like, almost like a premonition that, you know what, we've seen this before and this is going to happen again. That this team just isn't what we thought they are. But they, the, the fact that they ended the game so strongly and, and they're still able to keep pace in the division with um, right be, being right behind Kansas City, I, I think it, it is a kind of a moral victory that they needed at this point in time in the season. Yeah, Great. I d- definitely agree there. And then finally, now we move on to the least inspiring win. And Ricky, well, we usually have a lot of discussion on this one. So we'll give you first crack. Who is your least inspiring victor for week 13? For me, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Baltimore lost that game. I'm not sure that Pittsburgh won it. Um, I think we've seen the last four consecutive games. Lamar is having issues against the Blitz. Um, Miami really exposed it. Cleveland, that's not really a heavy Blitz team, did the same thing. And obviously, the Steelers came out. So the blueprint is kind of there where they're going to have that spike. Like Ken was saying, they're going to Blitz. And they're going to trust that Lamar cannot get the ball to his outside receivers, that he's going to look for Mark Andrews over the middle of the field. But when you challenge him to complete the, the passes to the outside, he can't. And the reality of it is that the Ravens secondary has been a bit of French toast this entire season. They talk about they didn't have corners, but they've been getting toasted all season long. And the 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 other point to you this just call is that Ricky say French toast. Pittsburgh, <laughs> Pittsburgh had Lamar been able to complete uh, that path, right? Mm-hmm, Pittsburgh yeah. would be getting a lot more questions beyond Big Ben heading mm-hmm. into this week. Um, mm-hmm. the, the beauty of it for Pittsburgh and why I think that even though it was the least inspiring win. If Pittsburgh, again, in this short week, can find a way to beat Minnesota, all of a sudden the narrative changes. So for me, even though they won, even though we heard going in, and again, I think the the PR and the media people for these players do an excellent job because all of a sudden we got all of what I like to call Kadir syndrome in the big Asian context, you know. Kadir for Big Ben, and he all of a sudden miraculously, like he said privately to people, that this is going to be his last. You say it privately, and we 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 are reading it twenty four hours before the game. So that was all intentional as well mm, to kind of agreed. get us in a more reflective mood, and you know all the criticism towards Ben kind of dampened a bit and have the edge. Mm-hmm. But I I still like to give credit to Mike Tomlin, but Pittsburgh really really are lucky to have won that game because Baltimore made a number of bad decisions. And some very bad execution from Lamar that we've been, if we're honest, that we've been seeing from Lamar for the last four weeks. It is true. It is very true. So, AJ, what about you? Who is your least inspiring victor this week? Ma, I just feel like I'm picking on this team all the time, you know. But <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks. It's the Seattle Seahawks. Like, what, what, did that win, what did that win really do? I, if they, 
this, the team is still not good. I feel like I've seen this script already. They bring in someone, brings in um, all day. He scores a touchdown in his first game. He looks like, oh, you know what? He might, he might be the answer. And then what happened? A, a few weeks later, cut. We saw this just earlier this season with the Titans. He scored in the very first game. And look, then he couldn't take out Deontay Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard, and, and mm-hmm. uh, McNichols and, and whatever. Them. Come on. Yeah. Really? True. I'm not, I'm not convinced by this win. Listen, as bad as, as Jimmy Garoppolo played, he had more yards. He was a yard short of 300. Russell Wilson had 230 yards. I think in, in total, um, Seattle only rushed the ball like five or six times more than San Francisco did. So uh, the, that, the winning by a score, I'm, I'm not convinced. Uh, like, yeah, they finally put up 30 points. It looks good on them. But they're still a bad team, and the win means absolutely nothing. And I'm not convinced that they're going to like have a better season from here. I, ju- I just I'm not. Well, the only thing that that win um, is convincing of is that San Francisco still can't beat Seattle. They, yeah. I think this they're like 14 and five mm-hmm. under Pete Carroll against Seattle. So mm-hmm. it's it is ridiculous for them. Um, San Francisco they could have been easily the biggest losers this week but anyhow I'm not gonna spend any more time thinking or talking about those two teams my least inspiring win no AJ you said that you feel like if you're always picking on Seattle I feel like if I'm talking about this team in a negative context every week and that's the Kansas City Chiefs the Kansas City Chiefs they beat the Broncos yes (laughs) yes the Kansas City Chiefs Offense continues to be a major concern true. right now. Very, very true. We, we, we were talking last week about how the Chiefs may have regained their mojo. But right now, the majority of time we're hearing, instead of talking about how great the Chiefs' offense has been, pundits are talking now about Mahomes' mechanics. They're, they're saying that instead of just throwing the ball from above, he's side-arming it. He's doing all of these different mm-hmm. things. And his mechanics now apparently seem to be a problem. Tyreek Hill, he is also seeming to have some sort of problem. Right now, he is having issues trusting his hands. Um, I do not remember who it was, but they were talking about how, like, when you as a receiver, you are... I guess in good form, you know, you just you pluck the ball out of the air and you can mm-hmm. move and go and whatever. Mm-hmm. Hell's hands are coming away from the ball when it's coming to him, as mm-hmm. opposed to him going strong. Right. Right. right, right, okay. So yeah. because of that, no, and he seems to have lost the trust in his hands, then the ball is slipping through his fingers. He is giving tip drill um passes to defenses. Almost every week, he is causing a lot of the turnovers that Patrick Mahomes is suffering with his drops that are going into people's hands. And then, mm-hmm. remember, I made mention of this, it has to be like four or five weeks ago. The Chiefs and their hubris, they need to understand that teams are not playing them the way that they were playing them before. before. They're forcing them to commit to the run because mm-hmm. they're playing with the two high safeties. Those safeties are taking up half of the field, which would give you space in the middle, but they're also then doubling on Travis Kelsey in the center. So you can't go down the center 
Tyree Hill is not going to get the shots down the field. You're forced now to play closer to the offense, to the lane of scrimmage, and they're not doing it consistently. The average three and a half runs yards per carry against the Broncos. And Mahomes still had more interceptions than touchdowns. Yep. Right now, they're still at the, they're at the top of the West. They're at the top of the AFC West, but there have to be alarm bells ringing in that building right now to get this offense fixed. Yeah, and the defense has been carrying them. I agree with what you say, Ken. Uh, the reality of it is their defense has improved as the season progressed, but the offense is not. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It literally feels like if, the, like if we were on a scale and... When the season started, we were kind of like offense to defense. And now, instead of it just balancing out and both of them being good, we're mm -hmm. definitely going in the opposite direction. Agreed. <sighs> Maybe they'll get it together. I'm, I, I want to come back and have a couple weeks where I can say, yes, the Chiefs were the biggest winners. But uh, someday, hopefully. <laughs> All right. So that's, that was the blitz. That was the blitz. So now, we got a little, little bit of a serious topic to get into. We have Antonio Brown. Anytime AB makes an appearance on this show, it's never for good things. But he has some company this week. Mike Edwards, his teammate, and John Franklin III. All three of them have been suspended three games for providing false COVID-19 vaccination cards. What we must make mention of here is that the buying, selling, and the use of fake vaccination cards is a federal offense. So, Ricky, mm -hmm. when we look at this situation with AB and others, but AB in particular, because he's the one that finds ways to get his name in negative headlines all the time. What happens here? What happens with AB going forward? Yeah, I, I think, I have to believe that Tampa Bay is weighing the value of Antonio Brown on the field against these off-the-field antics, um, the impact that these off-the-field antics can have on the locker room. And it would appear, and I have to believe, that one person or one person alone wants Antonio Brown in Tampa Bay, especially for the postseason, and that's Tom Brady. That's I fast. have to believe that if Completely Tom Brady agree. was not going to bat for Antonio Brown, that this particular indiscretion, uh, AB would have been out of there. Um, the head coach basically said as much before. And I think the organization, you know, some organizations are not built for these kind of distractions. Uh, again, credit to Mike Tomlin and Pittsburgh Steelers because they put up with it for probably way more years than they should have. Yep. But I don't think that inherently Tampa Bay has shown us that they want these kind of distractions. But I have to believe that Goat has said, look, we're going to need this man when these games get closer and when the pressure of the playoffs come. Mm -hmm. um, but as you rightfully say, Ken, it is a federal offense. So I, I would not be surprised if we woke up a week from now or before, certainly before the end of this three-game suspension. And Tampa Bay made a decision that, okay, we're going to part ways with this guy. So we're going to see the power of a Tom Brady versus what the organization might inherently be inclined to do. Because yeah, you have to believe that this situation may not actually be over. It may not be as simple as, okay, you're, you're suspended three games and away we go. I agree. 
Um, AJ, before I, I jump in, I want you, you to give us your comments on this one. Um, the, the first thing that came to my mind is, I want to know what's the purpose of, like, what were these guys trying to achieve by doing this? And since, well, since we're speaking about AV, because he's the, the known miscreant of the three and the repeat offender when it comes to just making dumb decisions, like, what was AV trying to, because you don't need to be vaccinated to play in the NFL. There's no mandate that says you have to be. So what was the purpose of going through this, this entire ordeal? Like, what, what is he trying to, to, to prove? Like, you, bro, just go through the, 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 the steps as, as an unvaxxed player and wear your mask at the interviews. Like, is, I don't feel like it's that serious. That, One thing to, to say, to remember there was a point where Tampa Bay came out and let the world know that they were 100%. 100% vaccinated, yeah. yeah. So maybe that was a big deal within the organization and to stay on the right side of the fabric of the organization, maybe these players decided, okay, we got we to gotta hook up these fake vaccinations so that we uh, you know, abide by what the, the organization culture is in this which, particular instance. Which, which could be true, which and I'm not even doubting that that's, that is possibly the case, but and as Ken stated firstly, like this is this is a this is a federal offense though. This is not just you know, like selling a telling a little light to sell some lemonade or something like that. Like this is this is something serious, you know. Listen, I honestly think that AB could be out of the Buccaneers by season's end. I, I don't know if you all saw this, but the, the Bucks just re-signed Brashad Perryman. Yes. And uh, uh, if you remember a couple seasons ago, the before Tom got there. That receiving trio was Godwin, Evans, and Brashad Perriman. And then, yeah. and then when um, I think it was Evans that went on for a couple of weeks, and Perriman had like at least back to back over. He went off. Least, correct. Yes. At least over 100 yards for back to back weeks, I remember. Um, so I think, I honestly feel like that, that acquisition was in view of, of saying, you know what? This is the phase ABO. I genuinely feel so. Because yeah, I, 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 there's no more practice squad, he's active roster. So that is correct. That is correct. Yes. Correct. That's where I was just going with that. And as you said before, Ricky, um, the fact of the matter is that shit, I just lost my train. In terms of, of in terms of Brady wanting him there, yes, correct. Yes, yes, right. Because because um, Bruce Arians is on record, basically like turning down the idea of bringing Brady in. Yeah. And, and Tom Brady is the man who vouched for him, basically, to bring him there. I, I feel like that's common knowledge, right? We know that, right? right. So, so at this point, I feel, I, I really think that I could see Bruce Arians and, and upper management saying, you know what? All right, Tom, we gave him a chance, but this isn't going to happen. We've had Perryman here. He was, he was, uh, uh, he was good in his time here. He's a, he's a consummate professional. You can go forward with him or... Or just have no one, but AB's time here is up, and I and I won't blame the organization at all for doing so. And I support you on that, because for me, if Perriman has a good game, he has a two-game audition. So if Perriman mm -hmm. can produce in these next two games, I think that that will not argue well for Antonio Brown. Yeah, all. if 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 this if 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 it was that they signed some like just some regular practice, some sure. just somebody that was free. I would say, you know what? Well, all right, maybe AB. But the fact that it is this man who has been a part of that receiving core before yeah. and has, has played in this system, in not necessarily the exact same system, but in this team, right. he's acquainted with this team, this organization, just from just a couple of years back. I, I think AB could be on the way out. 
and I don't see, I, I, I wouldn't, I won't celebrate a man losing his job, but I cannot blame the Buccaneers for making that decision. AB is just a nuisance. He's a nuisance. Correct. And the pressure of being the defending champion is very different pressure to what they would have gone through last. Yep. Yep. Now, I personally believe that AB should be out of football. <laughs> Full stop. That's what you're really Full thinking. Stop. You know what, Ken? Sorry, before you go on, let me just add that is the mm-hmm. one line that I actually have here, you know. In, in my notes, I have AV doesn't need to be playing football at this point, honestly. That's the one line I had. The rest of that I just came up with as we were talking here, right? Well, I mean, thought about it, but that's the one. I, so I completely agree with you. Like, completely. Go ahead. Now, this is the fourth team. The fourth team that Antonio Brown is about to get kicked off of because I believe that he is going to get kicked off of this team. This is not, as I mentioned before, this is not a situation that is just, okay, so yeah, maybe I, you know, I I told a lie or I I cussed somebody out in the organization and they banned me for three weeks or I talked bad about the rest and they find me. No, this is a federal... them with my comments. Yeah, this is a federal <laughs> offense. And as much as the NFL has taken the cowardly position of only giving a three-game suspension, you know what this three games feels like? You remember when the NFL decided that they wanted to put in a standard for the players who were engaged in domestic violence. They started mm-hmm. with a three-game suspension as well. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of the writers I've seen talking about this and the even the NFL, they've tacitly employed it themselves. They have a concern, no, where a lot of these teams and a lot of these players may have tried to rig the system, jig the system, and submit fake vaccination cards. And they don't know how far it could have gone. It could only be these three, or it could be a whole lot more. So right now, they are afraid of what, a proper investigation could show. So mm-hmm. let's just give a three-game suspension and maybe this all goes away. Now, you made mention of somebody misleading, you know, the public with regards to his comments about his vaccination status. But the major difference between what Aaron Rodgers did and what Antonio Brown and these other two have done is that Rodgers didn't tell his team that he was vaccinated. Bro. He told the public that he was immunized. Antonio Brown has told everybody that he was vaccinated when he was not. What makes it even more disgusting is who his head coach is. Bruce Arians is twice a cancer survivor. He is high on the list of people who are immunocompromised and Antonio Brown has put this man's life in jeopardy every week coming in there smiling and laughing going out with everybody going to the Christmas party no sorry Christmas party the Mm. the Halloween Halloween parties and Mm. all kinds of things with everybody as if he has taken the steps that he was supposed to and as you said AJ it is not as if you can't play football if you're not vaccinated. It's not yeah. like what Kyrie Irving is facing in, in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Just wear the mask and just let everything be cool. But no, you decided that you, again, are bigger than everybody else. Like Even when you see if the Buccaneers are playing on Sunday Night Football and you know they go through the teams and who everybody introduces itself. 
I don't know which college Antonio Brown went to. And frankly, I don't care. I just know that a booming university does not exist. And that is all he ever says. That is all he ever says. Ma has a high coefficient of diva. I cannot. I, 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 I don't have a problem with the diva wide receiver. Right. I, I love Terrell Owens when he was a player. Right. And right. I love Ocho Cinco. I cannot take Antonio Brown. I can't Agreed. do it. Agreed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one thing to, to still like the talent on the field, but when when the individual is making decisions like this off the field that just are inexplicable, I I is I don't know. Is I will never forget the night that he went live in the locker room when Tomlin was addressing Tom- the team. I will never forget that. Like I, I knew that he was not of sound mind. When that happened, I was like, this man has gone live. Like, the world can watch this. Whatever Tomlin is saying is going out live. This this man cannot care about the greater collective. This man cares about self. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking as you started. Like, clearly he cares about AB and nothing but AB. It's all about... Booming university enrollment of one. (laughs) It's all about he and his brand. But I've had enough of ranting about Antonio Brown. So let's move on, Jets. Now we're on to who do you trust? And who do you trust this week? We're looking at some coaches. And some some of them should, well, at least one name will come as no surprise. And then the other two, we're looking at those situations and we're trying to determine if we trust these guys to stick around. So first up, Ricky made mention of them earlier. Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings. So, Mike Zimmer is the seventh longest tenured head coach in the NFL behind Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, Pete Carroll, and Andy Reid. So, Ricky, I know you made mention of it a little while earlier, but I'll give you first crack again. Do Mm -hmm. you trust Zimmer to still occupy the Minnesota hot seat at the start of next season? I, I cannot in good faith trust Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is the school teacher that the school likes him. Students don't necessarily like him. Other teachers don't necessarily like him. But for whatever reason, the school likes him. That is Mike Zimmer to me. So when you speak to people in the NFL, as I said earlier with Dion Sanders, he's one that comes to mind, who repeatedly talks up Mike Zimmer. You get positive affirmation, right? But the students not showing me that they really care about this teacher. The other teacher is not showing me they really care about this teacher because Mike Zimmer always has these issues. Whether it was Stefan Diggs having his issues when he was there, mm-hmm. um, certainly you get a vibe defense is not. You just can't seem to get the defense right. And I think that eventually it catches up to you because we know how the NFL is. What have you done for me lately? Here today, gone today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that that school teacher approach always works in certain um, with certain franchises. I think that fan base, anyone who's ever been to Minnesota for those games will tell you that that is an extremely passionate fan base. Um, so I, I can't see it being sustainable because I think for whatever reason, Zimmer is not able to get that team to stay out of its own way. Hence why you will see them in these close games, losing games they should not lose. 
And again, it comes down to when I look at the talent on this team, this is not this is not a mediocre team. This is a team producing mediocre results. Mm-hmm. This is not a mediocre team. This team has arguably a top five uh, alpha wide receiver. It has an end zone demon in Adam Thielen. It has easily maybe a top five or six running back, depending on where you want to put Dalvin Cook. It has a backup running back that if you put him in there, you get 80% of Dalvin Cook. So you have on both sides of the ball enough to work with that you shouldn't be seven and five, wondering if you're going to make it, you know, on the verge of do we make playoffs or do we not? Something is not quite working, in my opinion. All right. What about you, AJ? Do you trust Zimmer to be still the Minnesota Vikings head coach in 2022? I... I, I, I like Ricky's school teacher analogy because to kind of piggyback off of that, I feel like the top brass, they might still make excuses to keep Zimmer there because of, of the injuries that he's had. He's always supposed to be a defensive coach and he has had some unfortunate um, instances this season with, as um, Ricky mentioned earlier, the Everson Griffin. Um, they lost Daniel Hunter, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I think Anthony mm-hmm. Barr is also down. Yeah. Um, so some of the top defensive players have been done. Um, I mean, the offense still is what it is. And I feel like I just need to mention this, though. The, Dan Campbell really tried to give Mike Zimmer this win, you know. The, the, <laughs> defense, the, the Detroit, yeah, yeah, Detroit really went for it at their own 19 on a fourth down. Yes. <laughs> and and covered the, the possession. These men score. And then you mean to tell me the Detroit Lions march back down the field behind Jared Goff and, and beat you? I mean, now, nah, I honest, honestly, I, I like I said, I don't like to call for men to lose their jobs, but I think Zimmer's time has passed with this with this organization at least. Mm-hmm. However, it feels like a situation where his bosses are going to to find excuses to keep him. I I, I don't know if the nail has been put into the coffin yet for Mike Zimmer. I I, I just feel like the excuses are on the corner, and he could buy. That, that could have bought him some more time. Okay. Well, you know, AJ, this is the other team, and he's the head coach especially, that I put a lot of lashes in mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I believe that having been the team, it was going to be trouble for any team that allowed the Lions to win their first game this season. Sure. However... When you are the coach of the Vikings and the Lions are the whipping boys of your division, you're not necessarily going to take out um, Green Bay just by yourself. You mm-hmm. need to win the games you have to win mm-hmm. and you have to beat the Lions twice. Mm-hmm. True. <sighs> Zimmer has not done that. He has failed to do that. In his career, he's 66, 50, and 1, all total as a head coach. And yes, there is something to be said for continuity, but you know, it was one thing that all of the other six head coaches who have been in place longer than Zimmer have in common. All of them have at least one Super Bowl. Yes. Mm. Zimmer has not gotten past the NFC championship game. And if my starting safety at the time, Marcus Williams, had wrapped up 
Mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs, they would have been one and done in the playoffs that year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So all of that needs to be taken into consideration. Now, again, longevity. He's been there, but even though he's been there, he's had four quarterbacks in his time. Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, no Kirk Cousins. He's had six offensive coordinators. So even though he has been there, there is no continuity on his offense. His offense has been changing almost every single year. No, he's supposed to be a defensive head coach. And yes, he's had some good years with his defense. defense. Mm-hmm. There was one year where they were ranked number one overall. Agreed. That's great. Mm-hmm. But the last two years, they were 29th. Out of 32 teams, they were 29th last year. Mm-hmm. And they're 25th this year. Every year, Mike Zimmer is on the hot seat. Every single year. It's time to go. It, it comes back though, Ken. In fairness, Ken, it comes back to what AJ is saying. So maybe there's somebody in the principal's office who looks out for this particular teacher. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. He been on the hot seat. It's a movie we watched before, but somehow it's a, it's a Tyler Perry movie. It's yes. a Tyler Perry movie. We've seen the yes. script many a time before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but the thing is, he has not allowed the lens to go one ten or one. <laughs> no, I completely, no, don't get me wrong, you know. I don't think the best decision is to keep him. I just honestly think more so, so that they are going before. to, yeah, yeah, like they're they're going to find a way to keep him more so than what they should do, which is get rid of him. All right, well, we can leave it there on Zimmo because we all agree that we don't trust him. But you guys seem to think that he might stick around. Mm-hmm. I. I'm not so convinced. He has tenure. Yeah, he has, he has, (laughs) yeah, unfortunately, he has tenure indeed. So next up, one Matt Rule, current head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule, this week, fired his offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Now, you would remember Joe Brady was the offensive mind that took Joe Burrow to the national championship when he was at LSU. Rule hired Brady on the back of that LSU national championship and now he's fired him because his offense has not been performing. So gents, Ricky, give you first go at this one again. Do you trust Matt Rule to keep his job? All right, for this one, I'm going to large up my boy uh, Mario Vanderpool on this one. Um, the Carolina Panthers are trying to look ahead. They're driving a vehicle and trying to look forward, but they're doing so while looking in the rearview mirror. And why I say that is that a lot of the moves they're making, it's almost like Matt Rule wants to be seen as a certain type of coach and and have a certain amount of um, accolades and achievement associated with him. But we're not seeing the production to go with that. And then there's some head-scratching moves from the organization anytime that Matt Rule has been there. Um, yes, I understand the euphoria and the, the strength of the story in going back to camp, but I don't understand how it can really help Matt Rule and the organization because they always saw Cam as a stopgap in this instance. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand, gentlemen, you all have to explain this to me with Brady is how does this guy be the golden boy or one of the golden boys offensively 
last season. We saw the production with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I mean, as a Jets fan, I know Robbie Anderson is feast or famine, but he had he had feast last year. <laughs> um, Teddy Two Gloves found a way. Teddy Two Gloves here, the same Teddy Two Gloves that in Denver we can found a way to be productive with this offense last year. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a bit of a scapegoating uh, situation with Matt Rule because this offense was productive. This team was perceived as being on the up and up. The first three or four games, albeit against inferior competition um, with Sam Darnold, people were referring to the man as Cam Darnold and all kind of thing, and nobody had an issue with Brady. And now conveniently, all of a sudden, you have an issue with Brady. Brady has to go. And as Ken rightfully said, the offense for LSU winning our national championship looked very good to me. The offense last season looked very good to me. So for me, this is Matt Rule protecting the image of Matt Rule and making this decision. And the fact that, I mean, we were all stunned. Let's be honest. When we got this news, I'm sure all of us were stunned because it's not mm-hmm. something that we associate with this organization before the end of the season. So to me, Matt Rule is protecting Matt Rule. And I would not be surprised. Um, I heard you all hint at this when you all spoke about Jacksonville last last episode. I would not be surprised if Matt Rule takes one of these lucrative college jobs and is out of there within 24 months because Matt Rule is not acting like he is totally vested in all things Carolina Panthers. Strong points. That's an interesting last point, yeah. What about you, AJ? No, well, so I, I, I agree with, with, well, as I just said, that's a very strong last point, Ricky. I didn't even consider that. Um, we said that he doesn't seem to be up about all things Carolina Panthers. Um, I, I agree with, with a, quite a bit of what you said. It, it seems like, like they're trying to make Joe Brady a scapegoat, though. Um, I, I, I do believe that as well. Uh, is because, you, like you mentioned, some of the names, and uh, I mean, it while, while it, it, it seems like it's just easier to point the finger at Joe Brady because I was, I was looking at stats today, like. DJ Moore is still like in the top 10 when it comes to targets this season, you know. Surprisingly, like I didn't even realize that he's a top 10 receiver in targets this season. Yes. Yeah. Um, but obviously he just hasn't had the same level of production. And I saw so I it is easy to point the finger and say, well, yeah, now that we saw the, the offense start, is starting to do bad, we need to make a change here. But I I can't say any more than you that I tr- actually trust Matt Rule to be the head coach or that he has the answers going forward. It, it seems like, as you said, he's trying to protect himself and just, just uh, once again, like, placate the fans. Because, because even, the, even the, the camp move to me felt sentimental as well, but I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because it seemed like it was something for not this season, but next season. And I said this on a previous episode. I don't think that that move was to, to shore up the team for this season, but more so for next season. But... Overall, it was just out of pure sentimentality. Cam was free. It just seemed like, you know, like the perfect match at that point. And let, let's, let's be honest. It's, it's not like head coaches in different sports don't do this. They, when, when things ain't going well, they do something to, to shut the fans up for a little a bit. Red, just a, red like, herring, a red herring. A red herring. Correct. So, um, yeah, it, it, again, <laughs> that move, that move as, is, is, as you mentioned that, Ricky, I... I I feel like I could tie the Cam Newton move to that as well. Is Matt Rule protecting himself? 
not Carolina necessarily. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know, I don't know that this guy has the answers necessarily. And um, yeah, I, I, Joe Brady will get another job though. He will. He yeah, will. He, may, he may get a good college job as well. But mm-hmm. I get, get, get shades of fake it till you make it from Matt Rule, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Fake till you make it. But the NFL is not the league to fake it in. <laughs> well, the thing is, when I looked at this one for myself, I mean, at first, my answer was no. I do not mm-hmm. trust Matt Rule to stick around. But then I was made um, aware that Matt Rule has a seven-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have it's not like a three or four year contract he has yeah. seven years that was right up there with Chucky and his with ten Chucky, yeah. so yeah. when a man has a seven year contract usually you would think that it gives him some degree of safety in his decision making where you can make decisions not for no but you can make decisions that Okay, we may be bad this year, but we'll you know we'll get better and we'll get better as the years goes on. Yeah. So so far, my rule is ten and eighteen as an NFL head coach, and him being ten and eighteen, those twenty eight games he had Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator. Yeah. There is no way you can convince me, Ken Griffith here sitting down on as we record this on the 7th of December, that Joe Brady is the problem with the Carolina Panthers offense. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. When you look at, as you may mention, you had Teddy Bridgewater last season, then you brought in Sam Darnold um, this season, and then you went back to camp. How many of the issues that you've had offensively comes down to offensive scheme and how much of it is just having substandard production at the position mm-hmm. at this point in time Carolina would have looked better if they had kept Teddy Bridgewater in the Thank second you. year in that system as Thank opposed you. to trading and giving away the firm to bring in Sam Darnold who has who looked good for three weeks and then what has happened no, mm-hmm. it's one thing for you to say that yes, the offense has underperformed. But I had to go check this because I was not even sure, and that would tell you who bad it is. Matt Rule is supposed to be an offensive coach, though. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be. He's supposed to be able then, if his offensive coordinator can't get the job done, he's supposed to be able to step in and help him mm-hmm. and fix the issues. Because the issues were not play calling. The issues were production by the players, not by yeah. the coach. Yeah. He had some of the highest scoring offenses at Baylor in his tenure at Baylor. So that's correct. He's supposed and, to be an offensive coach. But no, the other thing is that my research turned up. So everybody else on the coaching tree that Matt Rule has with him in Carolina, worked with him at Baylor, they worked with him at his other mm-hmm. college stop before he Temple, came, correct. right before he came to the NFL. Right. So Joe Brady, he was the outlier. He was the one that okay. was True. not with them for That's all of this time. Yeah. So now if things aren't looking so good, then uh, you are the one that has not been with me. We don't have that level of trust developed between me and you over the time that you've been here. 
chances are you're going to be the well, one go. to make way. Yeah. But as you said, though, Joe Brady is going to get another job. He may he may get a call to be an offensive coordinator or at least like a position coach in the NFL, and then over time he'll work his way up, or he could go back to college. He is, I think, yeah. they saw he was thirty years old or yeah. thirty-one mm-hmm. years old now. He's awesome. So, yeah, he's young. He has time. He will get another job, and he'll be good. He'll be fine. But I'm pretty sure that Matt Rule will be back in college in the not too distant future. <laughs> I saw that that Joe Brady got fired a day too a day not too late but a day, a day late, late. Because, because they couldn't get through to him because <laughs> they couldn't. That's Mama ridiculous. Answer, Mama and see phone. Mama had enough of them. Yeah, That's what you know yeah. you had enough of them, AJ. <laughs> I said the man tell him I didn't have one answer in his phone today. I can hear one tomorrow, man. But it's not. But imagine that. <laughs> you can imagine you. This was their baby. You can imagine getting fired on your day off, though. You wanted to call him out on Sunday. Friday. You want to call him out? I was just about Friday. to say that's a real Friday stuff. Yeah. yeah. You won't call me on Sunday? No. I'm not supposed my, to report about to work on Monday. No, my good stuff. No, my good stuff. Check me tomorrow. Exactly. exactly. All right, fellas. So now one more coach, one more situation. And this one, I know we've had two that have been a little bit on the negative side. So this one is a lot more positive. Rich Bisaccia. He is the interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, as we made mention of before with, um, what's his name? Chucky. Chucky, yeah. yeah. Um, John Gruden. Yes, thank you. John Gruden, <laughs> he having um, vacated the premises, Rich Bisaccio, who was the special teams coordinator, he was promoted to be the head coach of the Raiders, and he has done but I guess we have to, I mean, he's done a good job. He's done a good job with all of the distractions that this team has had to deal with this entire season to still keep them in the hunt for the playoffs. So the question is, gentlemen, do you trust the Raiders to give Rich Bisaccia this job going forward? Aaron, in a uh, word, in a word, no. Um, this is a football lifer. He's mm-hmm. a football lifer with roots in New York City, but he's 61 years old. And the reality is when you spend this type of money to go to a city like Las Vegas, there is an expectation that we are going to be associated with, you know, a lot more glitz and a lot more high ticket, high image value, uh, almost iconic personalities. And I don't think a 61-year-old lifer who has been to Dallas, who has been in San Diego, who's been with Tampa Bay, I don't think that that gives them the personality and the story um, to excite um, the way they... And let's be honest, um, say nothing else about the Raiders. They still have one of the most rabid fan bases in in the NFL, globally. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to get excited by Rich and his personality dimensions. So they're going to need, sadly, a personality um, to come in there. But they're still easily one of the most dysfunctional organizations in the NFL. Must hurt to come from a Jets fan, but easily <laughs> are one of the most dysfunctional organizations in the NFL. So they, they, they're going to have to have a, a strong personality. Uh, to come in there and and deal with with all that they're dealing with right now. What about you, AJ? 
Do you yeah, think Rich gets rewarded? No. Again, I agree 100% with Rich. With that, that's exactly where I was going with it, too. Because bear in mind, they didn't give Chucky a 10. <laughs> Ricky earlier <laughs> said that um, Zimmer had tenure. The man gave, Ricky, the man gave um, um, Chucky tenure. They didn't yeah. give Ricky tenure yeah. just, just out of purely footballing reasons, you know. We yes. know that. Mm-hmm. So, yes. so I completely agree with what Ricky just said in terms of like, they, need a, they, they wanted a personality and it has to do with moving to Las Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's still, that is still going to hold true. Like the fact that Rich has come in and he's, he's seemingly like settled, steady the ship at least a little bit and could like, you know, see out the season and possibly get them into the postseason. You never know. We'll see how that goes. But essentially he's, he's, he's just steady things at least, right? Yeah. Cool. You, 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 well done, though, good and faithful servant in the short term, but this job <laughs> can be yours. He's not, he's not the name that this team is, is going to be looking for. Um, what's his name? Al Davis. And mm-hmm. I can't say. And he is, he's an eccentric character himself, Davis is. So um, I don't know that Rich gets this job. If, if, if he does get it, I'll be happy for him because I, I, I like what I've seen so far as a coach, but it could just be something that's short term. You never know how this is going to happen, um, like what effects he will have in a, in a full season. This is the honeymoon phase. And we see this all throughout sports, right? I, I just don't, I don't see how he keeps his job. He's just not that personality. As, and as Ricky astutely said to the man is 61 years old, I mean, at least with Chucky, Chucky is Chucky. Gruden yeah. was Gruden. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that's different. The age didn't factor in there, but Rich is not that guy. It's sad yeah. to say. Yeah. Well, we'll make it a clean sweep here because <laughs> I was, I, to be honest, I was waffling between the two, mm. between the two positions because I believe that Rich Bisaccia, he deserves an opportunity to be an NFL head coach. The man has been in the NFL forever. And even if he does not get this job, I would like to think that the next head coach would keep him on because he's done an an admirable job Mm -hmm. in the the position. But it's hard to trust a man that looks like he cuts his own hair. And (laughs) when when you have Davis... When you have Davis pulling the strings, who was just right. so willing to give John Gruden a 10-year contract and was only going to fire him if it absolutely became necessary. Mm. It's hard to put faith that he is going to do what could be considered the right thing as opposed right. to what is the flashy thing. So as I'm glad that Bisace gets this opportunity. Regardless of what happens at the end of this season and going into next season, he will be able to tell anybody he was an NFL head coach and that he got he wasn't just an NFL head coach like how Dan Campbell was an NFL head coach and finally got a win in week 13. But he's had some wins and he's had some quality performances against some good opposition. It's just a shame, though, that, as you said, he does not have the profile to mm-hmm. fit what... Vegas yes. city is yeah. looking for. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. <sighs> that made me that that actually hurt my heart a bit. I, <laughs> I he see, see, seems like a decent guy. Yeah. Does seem like a decent guy, but just what yeah, you ain't what they're looking for, bro. Tough luck. Yeah, yeah that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. All right, gents. 
So we've been here a while. So before we get out of here, you know, we always like to look ahead to the following week. Now, week 14, it does have some very tasty matchups. So, Ricky, what matchups are you looking for? Are you looking right. closely at this week? I, I, I made a note of a few here. Let me just uh, um, go through them briefly. Mm -hmm. The well-rested Browns and Mr. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield, easily the most polarizing QB on, on this show. I think. The well-rested Browns and Baker Mayfield and all of the senior fathers of the various players whether it's OBJ Sr. or Kareem Hunt Sr., they at 6-6 six and six are going to host the Black and Blue Ravens. Because right now the Ravens are Black and Blue. They say it's Black and Blue division, but the Rivers, Ravens, even though they're 8-4, and four, they're 8-4 with an asterisk. True. I can argue that this game could be a tipping point for Baker Mayfield and the Browns if they're unable to win at home. Mm -hmm. Because if they don't come out, in light of all that Baker has said, the criticism of the fans, all that he's gone through with Beckham and, and Kareem Hunt, if they don't come out from this boy week and find a way to win this game, things could get ugly for Baker and the Browns the rest of this season. So that's the first one. The second one for me is in the nation's capital, eight and four Cowboys, America's team against America's nightmare. Um, the... <laughs> the Washington football team. Because the truth is, um, if Washington keeps stringing together these wins, they're going to become America's nightmare because everyone wants the Cowboys. But if you look at the schedule, if Washington can find a way to beat Dallas this week, then they play the Eagles, they could beat them. And then they play the Cowboys again. again so yeah. the two games that Washington is behind Dallas, they can pick up those two games over the course of the next three games because they're playing Dallas twice. Yeah. So that one is going to be important. I think it's important for Washington to win in Washington and, and kind of shake up that. And then the third one for me is the the Glamour Boy and the Hollywood Glamour Team Rams um, going for broke, going at the Cardinals on Monday night in front of everyone. Again, just like what um, Belichick and the um, Patriots did to the, to the Bills. Mm -hmm. The Cardinals have a chance to send a message throughout the conference and throughout the NFL if they take the Rams behind the woodshed and destroy them on Monday Night Football. So I actually think this is their, a, a, a significant game because I'm getting shades of the 2020 Phoenix Suns and the run that they went on to the NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. I'm getting shades of that with these Arizona Cardinals. Not saying they're going to win it, but if there was a team that came from out of nowhere and upset the Tampa Bay Bucks and upset the Green Bay Packers, Justin, good evening if you're listening, I think it could be <laughs> these Cardinals. Because these Cardinals, if they can get home field, are capable. They've already beaten the Packers this season. I don't see any reason why they should be afraid of anyone in the NFC. So if they can come out and destroy the Rams, I think that can be a significant game for the the um the NFC um title holders or well contenders really. All right, solid, solid picks and solid, solid mm -hmm. analysis, Ricky. Love it. AJ, what about you? Which teams are you looking closest at this week? So I, there's one interesting matchup here, but I think I'm gonna leave that for you, Ken. I'm pretty sure you're gonna mention <laughs> that one. So 
I will start as early as Thursday night. And Ricky made mention of this earlier. The Vikings just having given up the Detroit's first win in almost in one day short of a calendar year. No, they have a short week to go back home and prepare for the Steelers. The Steelers aren't very good themselves. They just managed to eke out that win. They essentially have been eking out wins all season. And they just don't look good in their division. And the, the short week games are always like, you, you, never, you never really know what's going to happen on, on these Thursday night games. Um, we know ben, ben is what he is at this point. And, and uh, also what Ricky mentioned too is the fact that it was leaked that he said that this is going to be here, that this is going to be his last season. So, uh, how do the how do the Steelers react after you know that news was leaked and then you know they they um, managed to to just get by the Ravens and and the Vikings? I think this is a very interesting matchup. It is at the, well, any game at this point in time for potential postseason contenders is a, is a must win game. So this is one of those. It's that time of the season. Neither of these teams. Uh, could, it could ill afford a loss right now. So that is, a, as, as much as I'm not very enthused by seeing either of these teams play in the, on a week-in, week-out basis, it's more about this matchup and, and what's at stake for both of them. Um, and then secondly, I'll just me- mention the... Actually, might mention the third one. The other one is the Bills at the Bucks. No, Ken, in our chat, in one of our chats, you saw me speaking about our team because... I, I don't like the fact that it was said that we should have, that the Patriots should have lost that game. Now, granted, when games are that close, yes, one play can be the deciding factor, right? But the Bills mm-hmm. just couldn't make the play. So how were they supposed to win that game? And, and, and honestly, it's not like the Bills have been setting the world alight this season. After that loss to, I think it was the Titans, they've been wildly inconsistent. Agreed. They have been... They, and, and mind you, their defense is, has still generally been good, you know. They still have a top defense. I think their defense is number one in terms of, like, opponent points. Um, mm-hmm. Opponent points yeah. scored and points per game. And, and oh, the, the pass is number two. So, again, that game was never going to be high scoring. Mm-hmm. But the offense hasn't been, hasn't been doing their job consistently enough. It hasn't. And, and now you're taking on the Bucks with Tom Brady having an MVP caliber season once again. After just losing, um, well, it'll be, a, I guess, a semi-short week for them. But mm-hmm. after just losing in that manner, how do they bounce back right now? Because they, can, they themselves can't afford to be losing more ground to, to my part. So, and knowing that they still have to, to go to Foxborough to play us again, and we have the easiest schedule. So, every game for the Bills right now counts. And they really don't want to be in a position where, where they're, they're second division. Like, um, and to support what you're saying, AJ, think about it. They could end up having a three-game losing streak because if they lose in Tampa Bay and then they go to a New England and lose, all of a sudden they're reeling and you may right. be entertaining them as a playoff team. So this is a critical stretch for them. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Agreed. Um, yeah, so that is definitely going to be an interesting game. That's the, well, 3.25 Central Time, my time. That's 4.25. 4.25? Yeah, 4.25. Right, mm-hmm. there we go, Eastern. So, um, looking to see that. And then, actually, <laughs> the primetime game I, on, on Sunday. I, I don't care about the Bears, but it's just the, everything that, the shroud of mystery that surrounds the Packers right now. It, with just Aaron Rodgers and his, his busted tool that he felt the need to show the world. Um, <laughs> everything that's been going on. With, I mean, and th- this matchup always produces something special. 
And, you, you know, we, Aaron Rodgers showed us how he really felt about the Bears earlier this season. So I'm interested, interested in seeing how the Bears react to that because... Yeah, it was disrespectful. Bears fans already hated the guy, but this is... After what happened there, this is something different. So I want to see how the team reacts. So um, I, it, it has no pun intended bearing on Chicago's postseason hopes because they're still mm-hmm. not going to make it. But just in terms of a matter of pride, how do they Agreed. react? I know that they're going to the tundra to play. So um, I definitely would be interested in seeing that prime time game. Agreed. All right. I know that it's going to make some very um, difficult choices for us this week in the prime time pickup oh, because boy, boy. <laughs> the, the Thursday night game and the Monday tough. night game. Tough. Yeah, those ones are going to be the, the more challenging ones. I don't know how Bears and Packers have not been flexed out of that Sunday night spot. but <laughs> Because um, of Aaron Rodgers, people love television networks, love the drama associated with Aaron Rodgers. They love the legacy associated with certain players as well. Mm. So yeah, that's the power of a controversial figure like Aaron Rodgers. Fair point. Well, I didn't have that necessarily picked as one of my um, picking games because, well, as my most tasty games because we kind of expect what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. But the game, the only game that I will add, because I'm not even mentioning the Saints going to the Jets. The Jets. <laughs> oh, yeah, you all played each other this week. Right. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah the, the, Ricky, unfortunately, the Jets are the Jets, but unfor- the Saints right now looking just like the Jets. So, I mean, it's my team, and I'll probably I'll probably put that on one of the small screens as <laughs> I'm watching, but I can't. Anyhow, moving on. The, the game... The, the only game that I'm really um, going to add to the ones that you guys have mentioned is the 6-6 six and six 49ers going to the Cincinnati Bengals that are 7-5. and five. Right now, we do have some injury concerns with Joe Burrow because mm-hmm. he took a hit on his hand and his hand, his little finger swell, swollen, was swollen big mm-hmm. like a balloon. But yeah. he was still able to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how he is able to play through that going up against the San Francisco 49ers who were streaking, but they've come back to earth with a thud. And now they're going up against a team that can run the ball and can pass the ball, and their defense is not very good against either. So it's going to be, it's going to be critical to see what the Bengals are able to do against the San Francisco pass rush. But is, I mean, I could have put uh, Kyle Shanahan in our um, yes, you trust indeed. because yes, indeed, this is too many seasons now where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. some sort of boy genius, some sort of mm-hmm. wizard in the in the NFL as a head coach and as an offensive mind. And your team is struggling every year. Yes, you also do get a whole lot of injuries. But again, that can come back to you as head coach because clearly you're doing something wrong. Right. But at least for this game, they will be trying to do their best to get back on the positive side of the ledger. And, well, we're still watching Debo Samuel to see if he will be fit and Mm -hmm. able to return. All right, fellas. Well, Ken, wait. Sorry, I thought you were going to mention this, so I just, I just need to make mention of this. Sure. N- none of us mentioned, but the Raiders are the Chiefs. 
this game has serious implications on the division because the Chargers have what is a, a winnable game at home to the Giants and they're only a single game behind Kansas City and right now have the better head-to-head. -head. So if the Chiefs don't win this game, I mean, I expect them to. I, I do expect them to win this game, but if they don't, they could really find themselves falling back behind the Chargers. Like, this is a point because for whatever reason, the Raiders find a way <laughs> to upset the Chiefs more often than not, at least once in, in their two matchups every year. They find a way. It's like it's like when New England goes to Miami for some reason. We always get beat down in Miami, way, boy. Jeez, Miami oh. finds a way to beat New England <laughs> when they come down to South Beach. I, I don't know if it's in nightlife, but I am a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just had to make quick mention of that. Yeah. I Agreed. just. I, I did not make a mention of it on purpose and because I am forever then hyping up these Chiefs games and then their offense lets me down. So I until I see better, I am not giving them that level of airplay. No, they okay. need to do better and then and then I'll be back on the bandwagon. But for now, fix your mix, please. <laughs> All right, fellas. So that brings us to the end of a great Green Bridge episode. Ricky, mm -hmm. it was an absolute delight having you with Good us. To have and, you, man, for real. and we will definitely have you back. So you just let us know when you no are problem, available. Gentlemen. And we will definitely bring you back on. No problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. And I look forward to not only following you, um, but also coming back on at a later date. Of course. Mm -hmm. So, AJ, anything you want to plug before we go? No, 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 no. I, I, I did my plugs last week, and I will do them again. But for right now, we'll just, I'll just say goodnight to one and all. AJ is in a unique position, though, because he was, he was in D.C., and now he's in Dallas. So the week I, that Dallas is playing Washington should be an interesting one for you. My, my, mind you, Ricky, I actually lived in Philly for a little while too. Huh? Okay. okay. So, yes, you. I just, just one city shy. One city yeah, shy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get you in the Big Apple and just complete, complete the rectangle. I've, I've been to, I have been to, to at least all four within the span of a year. Right. I ain't living in New York, though. That ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we will see. Um, where the, what the future holds, AJ, because he might, just, <laughs> yeah, he, might, he might just complete the NFC East tour. Exactly. Exactly. All right, fellas. So, as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. That was Ricky Nurse but joining us on the Green Beige podcast. And we will see you next time.